Hello and welcome back to the Third Millennium Church Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Gerhardt, and with me today is a friend of mine, Christiana. How are you doing? Doing great. Nice to be on this podcast with you, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show. And uh, we met um, almost about a year ago, and uh, I met you on a global immersion trip to Tijuana. Yes. And that's a really cool name. What, tell us a little bit more about what global immersion is. Yeah, I work for um, this Christian peacemaking organization that essentially takes folks into areas of unrest and conflict around the world. Um, specifically, I work across the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, we call it a bo- our borderlands trip, and it's learning what it means to be peacemakers in the Jesus way in some of the more controversial, polarizing issues. So that's that was the trip we met on. I think um, we stayed in a a detention center uh, right across the border in Tijuana and got to hear stories from folks who've been recently deported from the U.S. and just kind of wrestling with the human story behind the politics and the rhetoric. So, Yeah, it was so, really yeah. it was really cool, and I was really honored to be a part of it. And so you, you do a lot of other things. Um, you write and you speak, and uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got to doing kind of, kind of the neighborhood ministry that you do. Yeah, I um, I like to tra- trace my story. If you can, sometimes I literally picture a timeline and sort of like running a pencil backward to to find where were the initial seeds that that have kind of grown into maybe some of the things I get to uh, tend to today. And I grew up as a missionary kid. My parents were, my parents and my grandparents were actually international missionaries. Mm. My grandparents were in different parts of the world, but my parents landed in um, majority in Tokyo, Japan. So uh, the Japanese, I was really formed within the Japanese culture as well as kind of a community of um, Christian workers who were there to love people and love Jesus and plant churches. And um, so being kind of rooted in a neighborhood, embedding our lives in a local place to participate in God's restoration in, in a real place with real people, that was a like a, it was a vocational calling for my parents, and that's kind of the community I was raised within. So, uh, when I moved back to the U.S., I think I could never quite shake the um, desire to be a part of a um, both be a part of a neighborhood, the life of a neighborhood, and participate in God's restoration in real places with real people. So that's kind of how I trace um, that. And through that process, I've actually gotten to, um, I've directed my studies toward uh, spiritual formation and placemaking. And um, I've written this, my writing tends to focus on how are people tending to the work of God, God's transformation in uh, neighborhoods and, and, and kind of contexts across the globe and how are we then seeing God kind of rebirth uh, rebirth the church in a new way. And so I get to tell stories about that and uh, write about it and teach. I do a lot of training and teaching on that for people who are wanting to engage their neighborhoods. So yeah, that's kind of a... That's awesome. A, a longer answer to that. Yeah, no, but, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I like that we kind of talked about it. It kind of can kind of feel like um, contrast a lot of things we talk about uh, even on this podcast, right? So placemaking, ministering and building uh, your community in your neighborhood, um, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of rare. It's not 1954 anymore. I don't know. I heard some study that something like uh, less than, uh, it was like only 30% of the people could name a neighbor 
in their neighborhood. Mm. Uh, mm. Isn't that that's crazy, right? And that's kind of the that goes it really stands in contrast to what you've been studying and speaking about and the value of reaching out um, to a specific place, uh, you know, to to build community and spread the gospel to those physically near you. Uh, seems so simple, but yet it's becoming more rare. Yeah, I think so, and I think um, you know, I the the gospel story that has captivated and animated me in my own discipleship has been one of um, a God who took on flesh. So mm. this embodiment, and I think that 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 wasn't just something that God in Jesus did for us, but God also modeled and invited us into this way of life where we would actually be an embodied presence of, of God, of God's love, you know, that the spirit living within us would actually be embodied in real, real existing contexts, um, which I think, you know, imagery of our feet on the ground and the land and, um, and just the nitty gritty of the life that we, uh, I think a lot have, have, we've figured out really well how to escape or how to disconnect or live disembodied lives. We have because it's kind of how we've learned to cope. And yet I think the invitation of Jesus is to become more and more embodied, to really live into our humanity and let the Holy Spirit's love through us be a force that actually uh, could change could change the world. And I think it could change society. So it's, mm-hmm. it's such a compelling vision to me. It's what kind of keeps me in the Christian stream, if you will. Because yeah, yeah. um, I, I think there's a lot of other contrasting messages within even within, um, within Christianity or within um, other other religions that are, you know, seeking uh, a way of being in the world. Um, so I think that's and it is interesting. So I love being on this podcast, because I think that this, this conversation of both being embodied and then what it means for us to also connect with the wider culture and the movement of culture at at large. Um, It's an important one and it matters. And I think there is a way, a way forward in it. Yeah. I mean, I, this podcast, the whole idea is to talk about the future of the church. We talk about technology a lot, but I don't, that's not what I see as exclusively Mm. the future of the church. It's, it's, it's staying engaged in our society and still being, presenting a relevant message of the gospel in a way that transforms lives and builds relationships and builds connections with whatever platform that might be. And that platform can Mm -hmm. just be you as an individual reaching out to someone or the platform can be some kind of digital tool. And before we get, before Mm -hmm. we get too, too far in this, we got to (laughs) mention that um, if you like this conversation, we're going to be talking more about these things at an upcoming conference. If you're listening to this, to when it's, to when it drops, um, the conference is uh, coming up on uh, February 22nd and 23rd nice. of 2019 yeah. in San Diego. And um, I'll put some links in th- to the show notes, how you can get uh, more information about that. Which it's nearly full. So if you mm-hmm. hear this uh, this week, uh, make sure you uh, find out more information. about. Do you know the, what the website is offhand? Yes, um, I'm not sure if you named uh, said the name of it. It's actually called Cultivate, right, and it really does it really does connect with everything that we have um, even just touched on so far of cultivating the work of God's love in our neighborhoods and communities. It's called Cultivate, and the web link is actually www.thecultivategathering.com. Great, and so I'm even going to be presenting on how to um, use online platforms to develop community and develop relationships both globally, but also kind of in the neighborhood context. Um, so that's kind of going to be 
some of this stuff in action. And people, and I'm going to be doing a lot of just leading discussion. People can can answer what they think community looks like and how we could use um, online tools to develop that and to build those relationships. So, um, moving on, but not really. Um, kind of what I talked about. <laughs> what do you think is the when we think about uh, where the church has gone? Uh, where the church is in 2019, which is so varied. There's so many different things that we could define as the church from physical places to people doing being on mission to people doing mission. Um, what I'm curious, from your perspective, uh, what about, you know, church outside the four walls of church? You know, um, I, maybe that includes just people kind of gathering and being the church, um, intentional living communities type, type scenarios. I mean, what, what is the place of... of uh, how does that bring about the future of the church? How can we do that outside of the four walls of the church, kind of um, not necessarily in a vacuum, but in a hybrid model of both people really living on mission in their own neighborhood, um, as well as kind of the support and community that church brings? Uh, what does that look like in 2019 yeah. and 2029? Yeah, nice. Um, well, I have a lot of hope uh, that that hope and imagination, you know, and I actually think hope and imagination is something that we need to cultivate, uh, just to drop that name again, cultivate. Uh, and because, um, when we get, uh, when we get stuck in our paradigms of what we think the definition of church is, um, I think that is some of our greatest barriers to actually living into what mm -hmm. the church is meant to become. I think the church is always becoming. Um, and may I offer offer a, a, just a quick kind of redefining of church where I wouldn't say, I'm not, I'm not sure that there should be a multiple definitions of church. I think church in its essence and in its in its purest form is uh, people of people coming together. It's the, the people coming together. Uh, the the people of God or the people the people who come around as disciples of Jesus or learning to be disciples of Jesus. So if that's if that's simplified form, then you know church is happening or church is church is in a sense of identity and who we are as church. That can actually the life of church or of, of we as ecclesia as the people. Uh, we can be doing that in the building, in a building. We can be doing that in a park. We can be doing that in a home. Uh, we can be doing that also along sort of virtual networks that can somehow continue to keep us connected. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I think that we would be careful not to identify this as any kind of change in identity. So mm -hmm. our identity remains the same. It's how do we live that? What is the expression of it? Where and and what are we committed to? Because discipleship was always a commitment. It was a devotion to a king or a, a divinity, a royal, a royal god godhead or god tri triune godhead who was saying, "I'm going to show you another way." to live in contrast to the way of, of, um, of an oppressive empire of the time of Jesus. And I think we could kind of say that within even some of our cultural uh, forces that keep us away from what it means to be uh, truly human and truly connected to the divine source in Jesus. So, um, so that, so when I picture the church and I'll just say real quick, uh, I'm, I want to live into the future now, right? So mm -hmm. my family, you know, we're experimenting through imagination on what is church, uh, what does it mean for us to be church um, in a variety of ways. And uh, sometimes we use language of community because for, for us, community or committed community um, 
or even, you know, our home, our covenant community. So we make commitments with a smaller group of people, um, networked with a bunch of other smaller groups of people that are linked across in our neighborhood and across other neighborhoods. And um, so we use community language to the point where I was with some friends recently. We were we were all on a walk, and my daughters one of my daughters tells her friend and I overhear this little talk and she's like, well, we don't go to church. We, uh, we, we are a community and that is church. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, <laughs> good, good. Okay. Well, we're, we're kind of working on some of the theological, you know, language here, but you know, I really hope that they, that they become formed. Like they know they, their, their life as Jesus followers is inseparable from their sister and brother in Christ, who is also a part of this kind of de- God divine family that we've all been adopted into. And it's this beautiful vision. And I think that vision can change the world as Jesus thought. So, um, so yeah, I imagine, I imagine that we will be, we will be stunned and, and, and we, we get to be, we get to be stunned and surprised by the countless amounts of communities of people coming Mm -hmm. together around the living Christ in ways and in, in unique and creative ways that we we never quite even thought possible. It's like we're, we get to create the things we long for, but we didn't even we we imagine them, we hope for them, but we can't even we can't right now even fully name what they look like. So I know I'm kind of still staying in the abstract, um, but I think the essence and values and identity will be will maintain will maintain its truth, while the expression and uh, will 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 surprise us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I can get more tangible on that as, as maybe we, if we talk a little further on this, but I think that's kind of where I'd want to, where I'd want to start. Yeah. I think that's really a great place uh, to go and to lead this conversation that, you know, um, a church and a community of believers, um, the same thing, right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. a, if you think of a traditional church and a building with a pastor and um, core values and a mission and vision is still just a, a community of believers. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really surprised when I'm working in a church and to think that this organization still runs, even though no one's here who started this organization, you know, like it's just the people that want this church to be successful and exist that keeps it going. Uh, and I think that that's kind of a definition of, or an example of it's a, a church is, is a community. Uh, it's a group mm-hmm. of people and, um, that doesn't always have to, to, um, have a name and a denomination at the end and a, and a physical address and, and worship times on Sunday morning. It definitely can exist um, within smaller communities. I guess, you know, my, my question, I think a lot of the people who listen to the show are, are involved in church or in ministry, you know, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm listening to what you say. And I guess um, sometimes it brings up like anxiety of like, oh my gosh, the church is doomed. Look at all these people who are just like, the church isn't going to bring about true community. So, I'm just going to go start my own, right? And and I think that that's great, right? And and I think only my um, timidity uh, that's not of God is making me think, oh man, what what's going to happen to all these institutionalized churches? And uh, those of us who are like, I want to work in that, um, man, like it's <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in ten more years, like it's only going to be half as many churches because people are just being, a, which is a great thing, being a church in their neighborhood. How do we, you know, how do we approach? Not that I, not that I think that we need to have any kind of um, two groups that these things exist in, but how do we approach kind of that conversation? Um, is this, uh, is this, is this, is this post-church? Is this, is this alongside, when I say church, I mean traditional church. Right. Is this post right. 
um, Sunday morning churches and pastors and committees, or is this um, both and? Or what, what do you think of when you think of um, these communities existing alongside traditional churches now and, and in the future? Yeah, I think, uh, right, good good correction on the post-church, because that's always an interesting thing, because that, that term does come up, and it's like, how can we ever be post-church, you know, yeah. when you're talking about this as an identity question? Um, I think, of course, it's probably both and, and both and are needed, you mm-hmm. know, and both and are going to be valid, and um, and also it's not even a question of like blessed or not blessed, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, that said, I think I see it more as opportunity. And actually I think that, um, I, I hope to come alongside, uh, leaders and pastors and church planters and innovators to kind of keep re re reimagining, um, stuff like land use and um, space and building use, I actually, I could imagine um, a lot of these maybe larger church buildings, if this is your story. And again, you have to really consider that everyone's story is different and unique. Every neighborhood is different. Every church, you know, every existing brick and mortar church has its own unique story, whether it's Mm going to continue to grow in its current form or whether it's just sort of needing to you know, follow the the spirit into some unknowns, which are scary and do produce anxiety. And yet God says, peace be with you. I will always be with you you to the end of the age. And I'm going to guide you. And I will never, I will always care for my bride. So that's, that's what we hold true to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what's exciting to me is, um, you know, I guess I, I guess I wonder what if, what if in 10 years, maybe more like 20, uh, if I could look in my neighborhood or, you know, maybe my, my urban center here, I live in the city of downtown San Diego, um, and in all the church buildings that currently, you know, are some of them uh, struggling in terms of struggling, quote unquote, numbers of attendees, mm-hmm. you know, if suddenly these buildings became valuable staple buildings in our neighborhood that lived out these values of Jesus, like welcoming the stranger and caring for those without homes and for the hungry and providing space for uh, drug and alcohol recovery and wondering about, you know, foster care system and, and how could we help, you know, breathe life and maybe be a hosting space for an organization like that, or maybe a lot of different NGOs and nonprofits and folks that are thinking about the kingdom of God who could co co-work and co-office in that space and sure there might be people that gather they might gather in a large way or maybe smaller clusters of gathering but they're gathering to worship Jesus to be then go sent out uh, to follow and be a participate contribute in the mission of God out out advanced beyond them but the neighborhood wants and loves them you know and needs them and they can tell that what they're that building is of use uh, because mm-hmm. it's actually transforming, like that the neighborhood would even be able to say one of the reasons our neighborhood is thriving is because that church exists here. Yeah. yeah. And it's not about growing the church. It's about bettering the neighborhood. That's a different, that's a different agenda. And I, I, I kind of want to state that as clearly as I can, uh, growing the church and better and blessing and bettering the neighborhood are not always the same agenda. Sure. Absolutely. So, so and I don't, I don't ever think actually, I think Jesus, God grows the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and our call is to participate in, in the, um, the work of God to transform the new creation in Christ, uh, that's being kind of renewing all things in our, yeah. in, in our world. And I, and, and I think that, um, not to oversimplify it, but sometimes 
um, bettering the neighborhood, uh, kind of like you alluded. I mean, it does grow the church if if that's yeah. really a value. Um, someone who's going to be on, a, on an upcoming episode um, of the podcast, my friend, his name is John Osborne. He works for a church called 242 Church. And um, when in their first major building, they purchased a um, abandoned uh, fitness center mm. and converted it to a community center where it's open seven days a week. And there's music classes. They actually have an indoor soccer field in this church, um, coffee shop, a uh, uh, lot of community center classes and at one point they were the third fastest growing church in america and so i think that um neighborhoods are wanting uh mm. the church to care for them and to love them in a way that takes their needs um as the same as the church's uh, mission mm. yeah right um it's a good as, example as, as opposed to just uh growing and and even when we talk about church uh, church values of, of reaching people for god and uh, discipling people I think sometimes we forget the neighborhood that we're in when um, it's very rare to have in a church's mission statement something to do with the neighborhood and mm. serving and loving the neighborhood. Um, it's it's usually uh, looking inward of, of, you know, growing the church, serving and loving the people who are coming to church. Um, mm. But what about people who, who live next to the church and are in the community of the church? I mm. think that's a really good distinction that you brought up. Yeah, and it's understandable. I mean, the weight and the, the expectation, some t especially if you're connected within a, a denomination, you know, to, everyone's just still trying to figure this out. Like, we're kind of all in in that mode of listening and some feeling maybe like it's crisis mode. I don't know, but... Uh, where you know, if, of course, like to for the for the church to in its form to 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 survive, growth is necessary, and so you do have a lot of pressures. Um, so the risk of you know of looking toward neighborhood and toward just investing, loving neighbors, uh, investing in the flourishing of that neighborhood, which may or may not result in the growth of your church gathering. But it may it may mean more church plants. It may mm -hmm. mean more. It may mean actually some philanthropic, you know, some nonprofits that are started. Um, but our metrics don't often fit what's being expected of us at whether it's uh, whether it's at a denominational level or I think even just at at a church history, you know, a, a larger Christian um, culture level. You know, like we usually still think. A healthy church equals growing in numbers, bigger worship services. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that's kind of probably a, an overstatement, right. but if, if even if it's like sort of subconscious nuance, like we think we're doing well, if we have a bigger, more robust, more exciting, be, you know, louder band, better band or whatever, yeah. you know, you keep adding all these things like bigger is better. That message right. has dominated our imagination. Yep. Simply more, I, more people sitting into service yes. on Sunday morning is typically what we count. Yes. Yep. Totally. And then with that comes more money because more people give and then therefore, you know, you can actually pay the bills and dot, dot, dot. Right. Uh, and so I'm curious if we flip the whole thing on its head, because actually the numbers we count within church growth are tiny mm -hmm. in contrast to the, the, the needs and the folks that are longing for, I think the, the things that Jesus represents for, um, for abundant life on earth and for eternity. And so the contract, the, 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 it's just such a disparity. If you think of like resource distribution, the amount of resources, which in, within professional Christianity that are poured into maintaining 
either pre pre Christians or a particular you know building or a particular form, it the disparity is kind of amazing. Like right. it doesn't actually cost that much initially to to love your neighbors, you know, and to invest in a neighborhood. And in fact, our neighbors are some of our best companions and partners for in the work of God in our in our neighborhoods. And in that, it's, I'm just amazed with these stories that I'm hearing of people who are then finding, of course, the result is going to be the church. Of course, mm-hmm. that's always God's dream is that more people would come into belonging in this Jesus centered identity that is, uh, that is their, their Lord, you know? So, so that's, that's the, the stuff that I like to talk about, or even just wrestle out with folks because it's, it's complex. It's not black and white. Certainly. How does that go over? <laughs> Cause you're really questioning some institutions. You're really questioning. For sure. Oh, and, I, man. And, I, and I like that you're, you're, you're questioning that, you know, um, the Sunday morning program costs costs a lot of money to pull off in the church building. But then someone would say, "Hey, but we baptized 842 people last year. Like, don't mess with that." You know, how yeah, do you, praise, how do those conversations praise, go? Praise be to God. And I, I think the all you can do is just ask really good questions. I hope I'm asking them of myself, and I want to be on a path of my own spiritual formation and transformation in Christ on my journey. And I would ask the same of, I do ask the same of leaders that I do coaching formation training with, um, but also institutions of like, you know, the only thing you, you can do, the only thing we're actually all trying to do is follow the lead of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. So you can ask good questions, right? So sure. If there's a church, uh, an existing church form that is showing, you know, that, Yes, so these people were baptized and they're now being, are they being discipled well? And what is discipleship? Are we clear that discipleship is not just head knowledge, but it's a whole life? Again, back to the beginning of our conversation, it's an embodiment of this person, Jesus, who allows the divine Holy Spirit, who invites us to live in the life of the Spirit on earth. Uh, to experience abundant life, to offer it to others, and to be a part of this trend, the birth of the new creation in the world, right? So are we really discipling well? And just a constant willingness to re-examine all of our structures within churches, all of our structures, to make sure that we're, we're, we're that all of us are, are being, um, are at least being given the opportunity to, to make that to step on that path of devotion and and commitment to Jesus. And so, you know, so I, I guess that's what I'm saying is it's it's not, is this succeeding or not succeeding? You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the wrong question. Um the it's it's less about success and it's more about faithfulness and it's more about tr- and and transformation. Mm-hmm. So so how do you measure faithfulness and transformation? Well you tell stories and you tell you tell a lot of stories. And you tell the hard stories. So that's the other thing to to remember is that, um, and and I think it I think this fits too with um, anything that's one off, anything that's event based, anything that's um, you know momentary. You only have that one that one moment to tell, and so you can tell you can you can spin that to look or feel or be told in whatever way you want to. And it may or may not be accurate, but really the true test is the long obedience in the same direction, you know, and those are the harder stories. And that's, I think, I think that's the, I think that's the way of discipleship. So, 
yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll pause I, there. Well, I think um, as I'm listening to you, I think that um, it's a very that's a very difficult message to to get across, um, mainly for the fact that um, you know there's not many people championing for loving the, your their neighbor for churches as institutions to invest resources or to re um, evaluate their structures and systems because I mean I'm involved a lot in the church media world and I can't tell you how many ads I see or just buy this presentation software and more people will come yes, to know the I Lord know. and buy this uh, <laughs> you know this these media packs with these slides and these videos and and um, uh, you know I don't want to sound cynical but because there's money to be made in selling churches some of these um, uh, presentation tools and or let's just say like current structure supporting tools um those voices are really loud as opposed to the voices mm-hmm. out there who are championing for creating new structures that take into account um the the stranger and the and the in the neighborhood um i think that mm-hmm. do you feel like that you're um fairly unique in saying that when you present to churches are they really um do they get it at the very beginning or are they really um kind of confused oh. about why they would reevaluate their current structures yeah, to take into yeah. account loving their neighbors? Oh man. Um, great question. And, um, I have been in a lot of settings, especially over the last year where I'm invited in to kind of share, uh, some of these thoughts. Um, actually, so my book is called to alter your world. Uh, and I co-wrote it with an Australian missiologist. Which you can get on Amazon. Yes, check know. out Amazon.com. That's right. And um, it's it's to alter your world, uh, partnering with God to rebirth our communities. So a lot of you know content of stuff that I've been wrestling with, uh, including stories and um, practices and anecdotes. And I co-authored it with Michael Frost, and and I, as I was saying, an Australian missiologist who actually was a hero of mine and a a, a distant mentor for years. And then we got to write together. And one of the things we talk about is um, the need for new metaphors, uh, the need for new, um, new, you know, fresh stories that help us hold on to hope. So what I find, Garrett, is that in these settings, initially what I share may feel a little provocative. It may feel a little uh, anti-institutionalism, institutional, institutional. Um, however, most of the time, majority, I of the folks that I'm talking to at the end of the day, they get it. Mm-hmm. And they, they realize that, um, the question is not, do we, do we reject the institution or not? That that's not the question. The question is not, are we being successful or not? Uh, nor is it um, a question of, should we just scrap this whole thing and do something different? It's a much deeper, more authentic question. And it really has to do with, I think what you're asking is if the future, if, how is God loving the world and how can we love more? And we, and then from there, you'll, we'll do anything if it means letting go. I mean, think of your own, you know, maybe a child you love or whether it's your own or some other child, if you had a structure and you knew that this structure could potentially no longer hold her or him in a loving way, we would tear that thing down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would, I would be there. All, I would, I would, you know, I would miss nights of sleep to tear that down so that that child was loved. And so that more children were loved. Mm. If that meant building 
if that meant, you know, expanding space, if that meant, you know, rethinking everything, of course I would do it. So this is an act of love. And I think we have to remember that our neighbors by the by the tens, by the hundreds, by the thousands are longing for the life of Jesus, for the spirit of Jesus to inhabit them. And uh, and we get to participate in that. And that means we have to be willing to attend. So in our book, we, we actually use a metaphor of midwifery. So midwives are uh, attendants, medical professionals who attend in a real life birth of a child. Mm-hmm. So we actually liken God as to the one birthing the new creation. Mm-hmm. It's a scriptural metaphor, particularly out of Isaiah 42, 14. Um, where God says, I know, you know, God was silent for so long and that we all know what it's like to feel the silence of God or even on a culture or even a a city or a place, especially the closer you get to the realities of our world, you know that there's that question of God's silence. And then God in this passage says, "I, I groan and I pant and I cry out like a woman in labor and I will birth the new creation. And so then our role is not to birth or, or, or fix or start or our role actually is to attend and to receive and to be attentive and, and to, and to companion and partner with God. So to learn to do that means we have to also be willing to um, enter into the unknown because birth is a mess and birth is unknown and Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. births are different. And so that metaphor kind of plays out more. Um, but I actually have just found most people are like, yeah, if I'm really honest, these, these questions of, am I going to make it financially? I've been a full-time vocational minister for my entire adult life. You know, I, I went to seminary and then I became a pastor and I've been doing this for 20 years. And I'm actually terrified that the thing that's provided for my family is, is at stake or, you know, the fears are real. Of course they are. And so we all need to band together to imagine ways of even monetizing financially so that, so that this mission that I think this is just God's opportunity. Um, we need to remember that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for, for sharing, uh, with us today, all that stuff. And I, I think you've given me a lot to think about. And uh, especially being one of those vocational minister people, I do. Mm. I do worry about some of those things, same things. And I think it's, I think you give it to God. Um, one of the things that I want to end on is a question I like to ask all the, the guests is, um, uh, where do you see the church of the future right now? Uh, who, who's, who or what organization is a good example of what it might look like? Um, maybe some, some, someone or something kind of on the bleeding edge that might actually be uh, hinting at, uh, you know, kind of the direction of the church. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I, um, I'll just tell a couple very brief stories. Um, and I do want to touch briefly on, um, I appreciate your curiosity and wisdom around, uh, the role of the virtual world and virtual community and, um, you know, social media, I guess is one major, um, you know, social is, is the word social is a fascinating term to put on media. And yet, uh, it is, it is driving, I think our culture and the way we relate and the way we even create our own identities. So I, I'll touch on that really quick, just to say that I think, um, I think it's really beautiful the way people when done well, the way people are finding each other across mm-hmm. common, um, honestly, ac- across common pain and across common passion and um, and that 
some of, and I think the healing, we're, we're seeing a lot of movements of healing and people longing for healing in, in social media groupings that are providing, um, a way to connect and stay connected over content. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, as we all know, that will ever replace human to human relationships. And so I, I've found I, I am really fascinated by the fusion and how, how, um, how that kind of virtual social reality can, can move us even deeper into the connective tissue that we were all designed for um, as human communities. Um, so what I am finding, I think, I think I would, I would point to, um, <clears throat> my friends in Omaha, Nebraska, hmm. who started a community as a, essentially as a m- more like a, uh, neo-monastic community in a neighborhood to love that neighborhood and to practice kind of spiritual formation, practice spiritual disciplines together, um, live out a certain way of shared life around some commitments. And out of that, they found that, uh, the, the neighborhood um, needed another space to to gather, like a third space, you know, mm-hmm. not a home, not their workplace, but a third space that they could kind of all call their own. So they started a coffee shop called mm-hmm. Myrtle and Cypress, if anyone wants to look it up, in Omaha, Nebraska. Cool. Um, and their vision behind that, I mean, the kinds of um, – I, if you begin to listen to the ways that – what their neighbors are saying about that coffee shop not just their neighbors in their particular neighborhood, but in the wider area. When they talk about that coffee shop, they talk about it in the way that we would hope people talk about church. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a place where I, I, I feel known. Mm-hmm. It's a, they, they provide a, they, they're offering a lot of dialogues, like intentional conversations and, and actually, uh, you know, soulful conversations and soulful formational opportunities, as well as holistic health wellness. Um, so when I go there, I feel cared, I feel known, I feel cared for there's health. It's healthy for me to be there. Um, it, I'm, I'm reminded of who I am. I get formate training and I get to meet God. Like hmm. people are, people know that this, this, this coffee shop, it, there's nothing explicitly. This isn't like a coffee shop church, but there's a felt sense of God's presence there. And I, and their, their dream and their vision is just beginning. Um, and I, you know, they're going to go through the hard times and the good times, and they're going to continue to evolve into, I think what they're meant to be. But to me, their willingness for the long haul, for the long haul, because they've devoted their lives to this neighborhood, by the way, is uh, is a hopeful vision of, of one example of, I think, millions of the ways in which the church might be coming into being for the future. So that would be a, a, a vision now, a vision of the church of the future now. And you can talk to them. It's hard work. It's, it, it's not, it's not pretty and put together all the time, although they have excellent coffee and excellent vibe and social media, you know? Yeah. Uh, but so it's, so the real, the, the reality of it is not always pretty, um, but it is transformational. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's almost like we, you know, a lot of us um, feel and should feel this calling from God to be on mission for him and, and to have our own way that we serve the kingdom and to be kingdom workers. And um, what what they do, you know, traditionally would be like, well, that sounds a lot like they should plan a church, but, but they're, they're being a little bit more nuanced in that and saying that we want a community space that is more open than that, uh, that's more, um, it's easier for people to enter into and feel God in a, in a different way than going into a traditional church. And I think that mm-hmm. that is, in a lot of ways, that is new, being able to really innovate about what it means to be on mission and then to take that 
that calling to build a community and a space for people uh, into a different direction than than planting mm. a church. And I, I think that's yeah. a really that's really cool. Mm, thanks. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, again, uh, people can uh, catch the gather the Cultivate Gathering conference February twenty uh, second and twenty third. You can find out more at thecultivategathering.com. Uh, where can they follow you and uh, and reserve your next book? Ah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for uh, reminding me that that needs to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, those three, and Christiana Rice. I'm pretty. There aren't very many of us. Actually, I don't, I've never seen another Christiana Rice. So there you go. So there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate our conversation. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate you. <laughs>